Chapter Eleven of Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carmen H. Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp by Annie Rollcar. Chapter Eleven. Pine Camp at Last. It was the first shade upon Uncle Henry's character that displeased Nan. He was evidently a passionate man prone to give way to elemental feelings, literally a man of wrath. Gatney Raffer, reason, snake-like, sly, and treacherous, had doubtless wronged Uncle Henry deeply, but this fact could not excuse the huge lumberman's language on the platform of the Hobart Fox station. Nan wanted to stop her ears with her fingers and run from the spot. The tough fellow standing around enjoyed the war of words hugely. Mr. Sherwood was too big to strike Gatney Raffer, and of course the latter dared not use his puny fist on the giant the blunt club of the lumberman's speech was scarcely a match for the sharp rapier of raffles tongue as the crowd laughed it was evident that the fox-faced man was getting the verbal best of the controversy nan's ears burned and tears stood in her eyes uncle henry descended to personal threats and a smaller man called out you just put your hand on me you big overgrown sawney that's all I'm awaiting for. You attack me and I'll have you in the caboose. Choose my name's Gatney Raffer. Try it. The quarrel was most distressing. Nan pulled at her uncle's coat sleeve. The rough man eyed her curiously. She had never felt so ashamed in her life. Do come, Uncle Henry, she whispered. I'm cold. That statement started the fuming giant at once. Nan's sensitiveness to a rude quarrel did not impress the man, but her sensitiveness to the weather shocked him immediately. My goodness, girl, we'll go right up to the hotel, he said kindly. Any of you fellas seen Ray or Tom in town this morning with the sled and roans? Hey, Hen, cried the station master, waving a yellow paper. Here's a telegraph dispatch for you. It was really for Nan, and from Papa Sherwood about just before the Afton Castle sailed from New York. Momsey and Papa send love and kisses. Be cheerful and good. Write often. We think of you always. Kind wishes for Henry, Kate, and boys. We look forward to fair voyage and safe landing. We'll cable from other side. Expect happy meeting in spring. R. and J. Sherwood. We got a good start, commented Uncle Henry, putting all thought of his quarrel with Gad Raffer behind him at once. We we'll hope they have a safe voyage. Now, where are those boys of mine? The town of Hobart's box was by no means a lumber town. Millions of feet of timber was boomed on the river within the limits of the town every season. And there were great mills along the banks of the stream, too. But there were other industries, as well as churches, amusement places, and many pleasant dwellings. It was no settlement of slab shanties, with a few saloons and a generous store. Nan had yet to see this latter kind of settlement. But what she saw about the central marketplace of Hobart Fox opened her eyes considerably to an appreciation of the rough country she had come to, and the rough people to be met terrain. The storekeepers she saw through the frosted windows were dressed like storekeepers in Tilbury, and there were well-dressed women on the streets, a few at least but most of the men striding through the snow were as roughly dressed as her uncle, and not many were as good-looking as Mr. Sherwood. 
some who came out of the swinging doors of sullen stagger and were very noisy in their speech and rude in their actions of course nobody spoke to nan or troubled her henry sherwood was undoubtedly a man of standing in the settlement and highly respected not far from the market-place they came upon a sprawling old tavern with a fence-yard at one side as they approached a sled drawn by a wild-looking pair of rough red roan ponies dashed out of the yard and stopped at the broad front portico of the hotel hey tom what's the matter with you called uncle henry here we are the driver turned a broad good-humoured face to look over his burly shoulder nan saw that tom sherwood strongly resembled his father that you that he drawled i'll about given you up i didn't want to drive down to the depot with these crazy creatures and if i'd left them standing they'd have kicked fields shed to pieces i do believe the train's been in half an hour and more i know said his father i had a mess of words with gad raffer that delayed me you ought to give him the back of your hand and say no more about it declared tom in a tone that showed he warmed in his bosom the family grudge against the fox-faced man here's your cousin nan tom said his father without making rejoinder to the young man's observation she must go into fields and get warm and have a cup of hot coffee i'll take some in a new fanger bottle i bought down in chicago so we can all have a hot drink on the way home twon't keep warm twenty miles said tom yes it will it'll keep hot for twenty miles and more they call it the thermos bottle it'll keep coffee hot or cold for a day just as you please your horse fat dad what kind of a swindle's that how does the bottle know whether you want your drink hot or cold huh those city folks couldn't make me believe any such thing objected the son nan had to giggle at that and uncle henry demanded did you ever see such a gump go on down to the station and tell abe to fling that trunk and the bags into the back of the sled we'll have our coffee and get the thermal spot of field too by the time you come back nan liked tom sherwood he was about nineteen and almost as big as his father he was gentle with her and showed himself to be an expert driver of the roan coats otherwise nan might have been much afraid during the first mile of the journey to pine camp for certainly she had never seen horses behave so before haven't been out of the stable for a week explained tom coolly as the roans flung and danced and cut up didos generally as uncle henry remarked we had a big fall of snow tom went on to say bunches all up in the woods so brave and i came in mom's all right so's everybody else around the camp except old man llewellyn he's down with rheumatism or tic de lure or something he's always complaining i know said uncle henry and then went on to relate for his son's benefit the wonderful thing that had happened to his brother and his brother's wife and why nan had come up into michigan without her parents we'll be mighty proud to have her said tom simply he was only a great boy after all and he blushed every time he caught nan looking at him the girl began to feel very much grown up they were glad of the hot coffee and tom was shown how and why the mysterious butter kept the drink hot they only made that single hot and only for a few minutes for the horses to drink before reaching pine camp they travelled through the snow-covered woods most of the way there were few farms and no settlements at all until they reached pine camp 
The road was not well beaten, and they could not have got through some of the drifts with less spirited ponies than the roans. When they crossed the long bridge over the river and swept into the village street, Nan was amazed. Likewise, her heart sank a little. There was not a building in the place more than a story and a half in height. Most of them were slab cottages. Few yards were fenced. There were two stores facing each other on a single street of the town, with false fronts running up as tall as a second story would have been had there been a second story. The roans dashed through the better-beaten path of the street, with everybody along the way, hailing Henry Sherwood vociferously. The giant waved his hand and shouted in reply. Nan cowered between him and Tom on the seat, shielding her face from the flying snow from the pony's hoofs, though the tears in her eyes were not brought there only by the sting of the pelting she received. End of chapter 11